cliffcentral.com. Hello and welcome to this podcast. I am Gary Hertzberg. Today we're talking trademarks and what comes to mind are some valuable brands like Apple, Microsoft, Coca-Cola, IBM. I mean, these are brands that each and every one of us know. Just for your own uh, knowledge, Apple has a trademark value of more than 104 billion U.S. dollars. Microsoft has a trademark value of 56 billion and so on. Coca-Cola, a little less. IBM worth 50 billion. And that's just their trademark value. Unbelievable. Some brands like Google or Hoover are brands that we use as everyday words. I mean, if you, if you think about it, take Google. We don't say any longer when, when it first came out, we used to say, I'm going to search the internet. Today it's kind of like, uh, let's Google this and let's Google that. And, and, and the, also the word Hoover has become an everyday verb, like uh, let's Hoover the lounge. It makes you think that uh, words like Google and Hoover um, have become, I mean, are they, have they, have, has their value actually increased or decreased as a result of them becoming everyday words? The law on that is so interesting, and we're going to talk about it a little later. Now, also, how important is it to register your trademark? Many businesses just carry on. Uh, they have great trademarks, but they don't register them. Is it flawed? Is it fatal? If you don't register your trademark, then someone else can or will. It's a bit like if you don't take care of your woman, someone else will. So uh, we're going to talk about that as well. To give us answers and all the answers on trademarks and the law are specialist intellectual property attorneys from law firm, international law firm, Evershed Sutherland, Johannesburg. And joining us are uh, two of their attorneys. First up, attorney Sarah Jane Pluck. She is known affectionately, and I think by everyone, as SJ. She's the uh, a partner in the firm and heads up the IP department, intellectual um uh, IP department. Also from Evershed Sutherland, uh, Johannesburg office is attorney Coquetso Malope. She's a Rhodes University graduate and an associate in the intellectual property law department. Welcome to you both. Thank, Thank you, Gary. Our Facebook page is the Laws of Life with Gary Hertzberg. If you want to take a look and give us a like, we appreciate it. And my Twitter handle is at Hertzlaw, H-E-R-T-Z-L-A-W. Now, our partner today is Legal Talk South Africa with their 228,000 Facebook members and growing daily. What they do for us is they pin our show on top of their Facebook page and uh, allowing their members to download uh, the podcast. Wonderful. It's a great... uh, it's a it's a great Facebook page. Have a look at it. There are tons of questions that come pouring in on all kinds of aspects, and some of the answers are pretty good, and some are I'm not so sure, but it's worth having a look at. So, uh, Attorney Sarah Jane S J, let's talk first. Uh, we're going to confine ourselves today <clears throat> to trademark law, and uh, there's so much in IP. Mm-hmm. There's copyright and so on, but let's keep ourselves to trademark, and we're going to get you back on another occasion to extend it uh, to other issues under the IP banner. But right now, what is a trademark? What can be trademarked under the Trademarks Act? Yeah. 
let's All take right, from there. Great. Thanks, Gary. Um, I, I think it's uh, important for our listeners to understand, and not to get too legal, obviously, but to understand basically what is registrable and what is not registrable in terms of our Trademarks Act in South Africa. So, you know, high level, um, in order to be registrable, a trademark has to be capable of distinguishing the goods and services of a person from another person's goods and services. And it can either be inherently capable of distinguishing or it can be capable of distinguishing through a long use period. Mm -hmm. That's what can be registrable. What cannot be registrable um, under our Act, there are 17 subsections of what cannot be registered, and I'm certainly not going to bore everybody with uh, all the the 17 subcategories. Um, But what I am going to focus on, because I think we're going to talk about some uh, case law just now that is quite interesting for our listeners, but I'm going to talk about uh, Section 10.2. And what is not registrable is a mark which is not capable of distinguishing uh, within the meaning of what I've just quoted in under Section 9 of what is distinguishing, um, and a mark that consists exclusively of a sign or indication uh, in trade which may serve to explain the value, the geographical origin, the you know quantity, quality, uh, nature of a trademark. So if you're only going to protect a trademark on those categories, uh, you're going to run into difficulties, and I'll give some examples. Uh, similarly, uh, what is not capable of um, being trademarked in our Trademarks Act is a sign or an indication which has become what we term common in the trade. Mm. So it is generic trademarks, and, you know, Kokexa is going to talk more about generic side of trademarks uh, when I'm done. Um, so that that really is what the the focus of our discussion today is going to be. Section 10.2 is typically what our clients and the public don't are not aware cannot be trademarked in terms of the Trademarks Act. I think it's also important for uh, the public to know that uh, a trademark falls into 45 different classes. So there are uh, uh, 34 goods classes and the remainder are service classes. Um, And that's quite a nuance in terms of how you protect your trademark. So when, you know, when clients come to us and they want to register a trademark, the first thing we do is we obviously do a due diligence and we search what's already on the trademarks register and we search very prolifically what's in the trade mm. uh, so that you don't tell your client that a trademark is available and they can go ahead and start using it. But actually, mm. if you haven't done the searches, they're going to infringe somebody else's rights. What are the common products or services that are brought to you attorneys to be trademarked. Give us some oh, practical ideas. Sure. Yeah. Well, all, all 45 classes, I can tell you. Give I mean, we, d- yeah. we do a lot of uh, clothing trademarks. We do a lot of ph- pharmaceutical trademarks. Uh, we do a lot of uh, service oriented. Yeah. yeah. We do, you know, for anything from paints to cosmetics. We do a lot of cosmetics. Is cosmetic it the brands. brand name itself or is it what is being trademarked? So, well, the actual trademark. So yeah. somebody comes to us and they say, we've got this great idea and we want to call our business XYZ yeah. and they want to trademark XYZ. Yes. Um, and so that is the trademark that we do. The name itself. The name, the name itself. Yeah. Now, you can also trademark any uh, de- um 
indication in trade, a logo, a device, mm. uh, that can also be trademarked. The Nike tick, for example, exactly. that's trademarked. The swish is, yeah. is trademarked. And yeah. in fact, it's going to your introduction. Yeah. Um, it's a very valuable trademark for Nike. Yeah. Um, and and we'll, we'll get on to… If it wasn't trademarked, it would lead to all kinds of litigation because someone could try and use it. Um, but, uh, that, but that's another aspect. Yes, that, yeah. well, I mean, just briefly, you yeah. know, um, n- not everyone who uses a company or brand or product name mm. registers it. Yeah. Um, y- so you have what is called common law trademarks. Mm. You just use it every day and you've been using it for time immemorial. Mm. Um, and then there are obviously people who go ahead and trademark their trademarks on a trademarks register. And the difference, just briefly for our listeners, uh, it's much harder to prove your rights when you want to enforce your rights on your common law trademark. Mm. Um, it's much harder. To, it's a bigger onus to mm. prove your reputation and your association in the marketplace with customers. Mm. Whereas if you have a registered trademark, and this is why we uh, go to great lengths to advise and recommend to our clients that they do go through with a trademarking process because a registered trademark is a prima facie right. So you don't have to prove your reputation. You mm. just put up your registration certificate and you are able to enforce your rights on that basis. Someone of course, going, that, that's sorry, a very high level, you oh. know, but there are lots of nuances to this. To this. Going into business, uh, there may be a newbie listening who wants to trademark something. What is it they will be trademarking if they're going into a clothing? So they are going to be choosing the name of either their company, so mm. how they present themselves to the marketplace, how mm. they're going to launch their clothing products. Yes. Um, and they will typically come up with a name or a device, of, you know, a fancy little logo. Mm. Um, it's that that's going to be trademarked. And it's also very important to understand that the trademarks register and the company's register do not talk to each other. Mm-hmm. They are very di- uh, distinct. They are mm. separate from each other. Mm. So a lot of our clients traffic under the misconception that because they've got a company name, they are protected from a trademark perspective. And that is not necessarily the case. You have to also protect your trademark. Whatever your company name is, you've got to protect your trademark as, as a trademark or your company name as a trademark. Cool, yeah. I also just wanted to add um, when you were asking about what someone in the clothing industry could trademark. You know, mm. trademarks are not just limited to words and logos. Mm. You can also trademark, for example, the color. For example, with soles of shoes, like Louis Vuitton has, Louis Vuitton has, for example. That can be a trademark. Yes. Mm. Trademarks can also be... But hold on a second. Is the... You're talking, Louis, uh, the, the bottom is the red? The red soles, yeah. yes. Mm. Has that been trademarked? That has been trademarked, really? yes. But didn't Woolworths... Weren't they selling a shoe with a red sole? Yes, but remember, it's the actual shade of the... It's a it's a specific Pantone that you can register for a number of industries: of clothing, industries. paint, really? cosmetics, yeah. lipsticks. Yeah. Um, if you think of uh, Edgar's Red Square, yeah, mm. uh, the Red Square, and and color is is very difficult to register because you are almost claiming a monopoly mm-hmm. but um, in your industry but if you have like a combination of a color let's say for example with insurance they have purple and green yes and in the insurance industry if you had to see purple and green you'd, prob- you'd probably associate it with insurance mm. so then it is a mark because it's capable of distinguishing you can you can advance that argument mm. so with a mark in order for it to be trademarked like we were saying it's not just a word or a mark if it can be a shape of a bottle it can be a signature it can be a sound it can be a smell mm. all of those 
those things, if you think your that mark or whatever it is is distinctive, and you think that you know it's um, something that actually draws people to actually buy your product, then you can speak yeah. to IP attorneys uh, to consult. You if know, it's if any of those categories that Kokitsa has just mentioned, um, if any of those ca- uh, characteristics induce a sense of recognition of the brand owner, mm-hmm. it should be trademarked. Yes. Because remember that you're protecting what your customers associate with you. Mm. And that's why we go back to what is a trade, registrable as a trademark. Um, it, it's a badge of origin, really. Yeah. Um, so people need to identify, you know, you. It's almost like selling power, you know, what actually draws the consumer to buy Adidas mm. versus Nike. It's actually the brand. Although both shoes are great, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. If I want to register a trademark, do I register it in South Africa or internationally? And what is the cost and yes. which way do I go? Well, that, that's very interesting, um, Gary. So, so high level, um, unlike some European territories, we, do, we don't yet have an international registration system. Mm. And trademarks are considered to be territorial. For example, you need to protect your trademark in the territory in which you trade and have a commercial presence, etc. Mm. Um, so... Uh, yeah, if, if your business, if you foresee that your business is going to expand to different territories or different countries, mm-hmm. um, it's also important to alert your trademark attorneys to that. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously startup businesses, uh, protect in the country in which they're going to launch. Um, again, there are a lot of nuances around, around that. Um, but, but yes, you, you'd have to protect in the country that you're going to trade and use your mark. What about the domain name? Which is my internet name, really? Or? Yes. Isn't that, that's that's everything to me, isn't it? That, yeah. Well, that it's one of. So, yeah. so you need to consider intellectual property as this bundle of rights. Mm. So it's not just a trademark. There are so many categories of IP. Mm. Um, and when you're starting out a business, this is what you need to think about. You must secure your domain name with the name of your trademark and I say slash company name because mm. some people start on that basis. Mm. You need to have your company set up in whatever structure you is is preferable to you. Um, and your trademarks, domain names, you know, th- those sort of things. It's a belts and braces approach when you start. So the name of my business is whatever, right? I want to protect that and my and my my internet name, my domain name. Yes, that's, that's a trademark registration. Well, your domain name is a standalone protection, and and mm. you are protecting a domain name, and that registration gives you certain rights. Mm-hmm. Um, insofar as other people who tried to leverage off your domain names, um, you, I'm sure that you've come across um, these uh, speculative companies uh, from the east mm. who try <laughs> and you know um, take other people's trademarks and they uh, register them as domain names even though they are not bona fide owners of those trademarks. Yeah. And they you know, typically do this to extort money to give you that domain name. Evershed Sutherland, your firm, was involved in a big case with chickens. Correct. Okay, I know chick- <laughs> Chicken Licken, if I remember correctly, was involved in that one. Yes, What's correct. that case? Who's going to take that one? Are you, Esther? Yes, I, I can take that yeah. because um, it, it, it is yeah. a case that, that, that I ran and yeah. um, our client… What uh, are the facts of that? Yeah. Well, the facts of that, so so Chicken Licken were essentially on the other side and our client is the well-known Portuguese restaurant Callisto's. Mm-hmm. And um, on our clients' menus, essentially, they had a description for their chicken wings offering and called it, on the top of their menu, six hot wings. Mm-hmm. Um, and directly under that on the menus appeared uh, one of our clients' trademarks is Senor Callistos. 
um, because it's a very popular food item and the public have come to associate uh, Senor Callisto's with good quality, wholesome food. You know, Portuguese food. But doesn't hot wings belong to Chicken Licken? So, Chicken yeah. Licken has a, tra- a registered trademark for hot wings and took mm. issue with our client using hot wings on the menus. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is where we come to what I said uh, on section 10.2, mm. that descriptive marks on their own cannot be registered. Mm. But hot wings has become associated, an associated Food product with chicken licken, and they took issue with our client's use of hot wings on its menu. Mm-hmm. Um, and how the case uh, evolved was we argued that our client's use of hot wings was actually, actually descriptive use on its menus, even though we agreed to take the, the hot wings as it appeared on our menus at the time, we agreed to take that off the menu. Mm. Um, what we weren't prepared to agree on behalf of our client was to limit descriptive use um, of food flavoring. Um, and that's why this matter ended up in court. And Sorry, you basically said that your wings are hot wings, but they're not hot well, wings. Well, we said <laughs> our Senor Callisto yes. wings, yeah. you can get six hot wings or six medium wings or six... Other wings, yes. <laughs> and so but in, you didn't in really, our mind, you didn't we really, didn't use yeah. it as a trademark. Yeah, okay, so I understand. We were, yeah. Our trademark was actually Senor Callisto's wings, yeah. um, but there are hot wings on the but menu. But there are hot wings on the menu, and and it's really the descriptive flavour of the wings. Mm-hmm. And so, in the end result, the judge agreed with us, and um, he, yeah, he essentially let us continue to use that descriptively. So, d- so does, you, does Senor Callisto still sell hot wings? Correct. Uh, they sell six hot uh, <laughs> Senor Callisto hot wings. <laughs> and, uh, and Chicken Licken sells hot wings. Yes. And hot wings is a product on their menu that is a very popular menu, uh, a popular food item. And they, they continue that, of course. So they have a registered trademark for hot wings. So if I open a restaurant, I can't sell a Big Mac, but I can sell a big hamburger. Well, correct. You cannot yeah. sell a Big Mac because that is McDonald's trademark. Yeah. And so, and, and this is it's where... It's very the, technical, this, it, wasn't it? It is, and there are a yeah. lot of nuances around all of this. You know, it, it, mm. it's not, um, to us, it's simplistic because it's our everyday work and we yeah. eat, sleep, breathe it. Yeah. But um, to consumers, it, it can get very technical. The case didn't go on appeal, did it? It didn't go on appeal, no. So Chicken Licken, who've trademarked, trademarked hot wings, actually now competes with your client well, not who's selling hot wings as, as one of their well, products. Well, not, yeah. not directly because, of course, there's a qualification in the Trademarks Act as well that you have to use a trademark as a trademark. Mm-hmm. And that really means that you must denote the name of your, of your product or service as your trademark. Mm. But if you use a trademark descriptively, mm-hmm. uh, and here again, you're never going to be able to use Nike descriptively. And this brings me to um, some recommendations of what should be trademarked and what you should stay away from. Mm. We're finding a lot of uh, clients are, are approaching us to register descriptive marks. But the problem with descriptive marks is that you it's very difficult to distinguish yourself in the marketplace from other people who can easily use that those descriptive terms. Mm. So it's not a good idea to to protect a descriptive trademark because when you come to enforce your rights in that trademark, it's very, it's very yeah. limited because mm. other people cannot be stopped from using descriptive terms mm. in, in their day-to-day business. Um, and that is why Chicken Licken has such difficulty in enforcing its rights to hot wings. Because it has I've got to compliment you. I, I think you did well. I really do. <laughs> Having, you know, just on the face of it, 
<clears throat> I see a, a trademark hot wings, and you succeeded in allowing your client to to use the term hot wings as a. Uh, thank you. <laughs> and, but the caveat to that is that it's got to be used descriptively. You cannot use it as a trademark. So we've always, our client has always got to You've use got to be very careful how hot wings yeah. underneath its umbrella mark, yeah. which is its Senor Callisto's wings. And yeah. you use it descriptively to describe the flavor, but you can never, our client can never use it as its trademark. I suppose you can also, you can also say you sell peri peri chicken, which is uh, Absolutely. Nando's. Uh, that was our yeah. argument, you know, yeah. is that it's, it's a, a, a hot is, is a commonly used Used yes. uh, flavoring descriptor of, and so of any food item. Correct. And just one other thing on that, Gary, is that mm. um, the trademarks. Act and the courts actually are very reluctant to grant monopolies to trademark owners, um, and and one has to be very cautious of limiting uh, traders' rights in that industry. Mm. So that that's why our our trademarks act regulates that. Were you in court when the matter was argued? Uh, yes, I was. How was the yes. judge reacting? Uh, well, you know, <laughs> um, if if you do a lot of j- judges act react differently, mm. um, this particular some, judge. Oh, we did not know. We didn't know he what didn't the know outcome was going uh, to be. He was very measured. He didn't. Uh, uh, we're not expressive at all. Mm. It's yeah. tough that you rather have a judge that pushes you, and you know, and then you know which way he's going. Yes, uh, is, but, and I have a difficulty with this. Explain what your argument is, and you know where you are. Well, and yeah. and you know what I think the the difficulty for for many judges is is mm. that you know the advocates arguing the matter need mm. to also educate the judge judges cannot know everything mm. um and that's why judgments are often reserved so that they can go away and consider the case law and the law that's been presented to them mm. and b- but interestingly intellectual property let's talk about trademarks is actually quite an obvious logical Area. Well, not so really. When think I, about when I think it. of this case, I don't know. <laughs> well, <laughs> ma- maybe that's just because I've been doing it for 20 years. Yeah, maybe that's just us. But, <laughs> but you know, you do yeah. have a gut. I often, I, I, cases that come before me, um, uh, I often bounce things off uh, friends and family and say, yeah. what so do what think? do you think about uh, this? Um, you, you know, my, my husband uh, doesn't particularly like to come uh, grocery shopping with me because I, I'm more focused on the colors and the logos and the names <laughs> that are on the shelves and the new yeah new trademarks that have come out yes. uh, than, than actually focusing on getting my grocery shop done. Yeah. But um, so, yeah, so, you know. Um, How long did it take for the judge to give his judgment? Uh, it, were, it was a couple of months. It, it was quite long ago. I can't really oh. remember, but it, it was a couple of months. Longer than expected? Did they bring, they didn't bring an urgent application to No, you? no, they no. wouldn't have got urgency on this. Yeah. And, and, you know, the background on this matter is that we'd, we'd already agreed to remove the hot wings as a trademark off, off the menus and agreed to use it descriptively. What's the relationship like between your firm and the firm that acted for Chicken Little? Oh, you know how it is. We, we are all, are I they, like to are, think collegial. Um, yeah. All is fair in love and war. Yeah, because this, this is <laughs> um, one that, that was fought, I'm sure, very, very harshly. Uh, it, and, uh, it, it was. Um, yeah. It's not, well, it wasn't one of my biggest matters, but, yeah. but it is an interesting one because it talks directly to the trademarks. What Act. is it the biggest matter you've done? Well, the biggest matter I've done is um, against uh, BMW, mm. and I acted for a for a, a spare part company, mm-hmm. um, a non OEM, and BMW took them on for a, a number of um, infringements. They were selling non original parts. Correct, correct. 
um, yes, my, my client in that matter is was Grandmark International, mm. um, and it was a very long, did interesting case. We did. Mm. It did go on appeal. Mm. Um, we did land up in the Supreme Court. Okay. Um, yeah. And what's the upshot of that? Uh, well, actually, that the effect of that case had the effect of changing a provision in the Designs Act about uh, functional spare parts um, being, tra- you know, being protected. Um, so there, so, there were so, a few issues in that So case. all of us that have cars out of motor plan are trying to get cheaper parts, all of us. Yes. Is that really what this was about? That's uh, essentially. And so, uh, I mean, I know, I, you know the window that you, the electric window, if you go to, I don't want, I've got to be careful what I say. But yes. It's very cheap. <laughs> As do I. Huh? As do I on this yeah. one. <laughs> okay, so it's not something we can talk freely uh, yeah. about. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that, that case is, 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 is uh, finalized. Yeah. But, um, so were they selling like a lot the, of the springs that get your window up? Uh, the correct. Non-BMW? And, and, yeah. and really about that case was, um, you know, the, the spare part under discussion mm. in that case, if I can put it that way, it wasn't. It wasn't visible mm. to the public eye. One of the parts were, but but the others weren't. Yeah. And and I think that that also assisted the judges in coming to the decision that it did come to, is that a customer or a consumer is never going to choose a car because of the spare parts or spark mm. plugs that they can't see in, in the bottom of a vehicle. Mm. Interesting. Okay. I started off the show talking about brands like Apple and Microsoft and so on, and then I went on to to Google and, and Hoover. These are terms we use every day. Um, I want to talk to you about it, Coquetso, and maybe you can take us through this. Uh, I mean, are, are, do these brands that we use, the Google brand and the Hoover, mm. are, have they lost value or do they increase in value? What goes on here? Jeez, I mean, that's a very difficult question because I think you'd have to maybe do an IP valuation to really determine if a trademark has lost value. Mm. Um, but I think what you're perhaps trying to ask is whether a trademark starts becoming generic. Does it, you know, does the value then increase or decrease? Yes. You know, generic trademarks are very problematic or start to become very problematic to enforce. Mm. And this particularly happens, and if I can just explain what a generic trademark is, it's mm. just when um, a mark has become so common or popular, especially if it's only one of its kind or the first or a newer inventive kind of product, mm. that people then start referring to it as the only thing. Mm-hmm. So what I mean by that is, for example, escalator. You know, it was the first of its kind and then it was actually a trademark, but now people actually refer to it to describe the actual Escalator, mm-hmm. the actual the, see, functionality. Doing, the functionality, the functionality. Yeah. So, so escalator is a trademark. It name. used to be a trademark, and it became yeah. generic because now you use it to describe something. Like Some, Google has become exactly correct. because now people don't say use Google; they say Google it. Yes. And this is similar with, for example, creepy crawly. Yeah. You know, um, when it first came out, creepy crawly, you know, is a trademark, mm. and now when it's the only thing that's actually on the market, people then start referring to creepy crawly to suggest what the actual product. Is. Yeah, it's the old pool yes. cleaner is a creepy crawly. Exactly. I mean, who knows anything well, else? it's it's like toothpaste. Yeah. M- many people refer to the generic Colgate. Yeah. Uh, mm. Many uh, stay soft. Stay soft has or, become a category generic. Yeah. Or all-purpose cleaner, we call it handy Andy. You know, but it's all-purpose cleaner. But no one's going to go to the shop and say, "Get all-purpose cleaner." You're going to say, "Go get handy Andy." Mm. So companies <laughs> have spent billions trying to protect their brand name and their trademarks, mm. and yet we're using it freely. And and yeah. that's the thing, and that is why we urge trademark proprietors to make sure that they actually take certain steps to try and prevent 
the risk of genericide happening. And one of those things, if I can just um, get into that, is a trademark proprietor needs to make sure that they are checking what's on the market. They're making sure that they know how people are using their trademarks. And if they're using it in a way that's generic, then they need to actually enforce their rights and prevent that from happening. Another thing um, that um, a trademark proprietor can do to prevent their trademark from coming generic is to educate people about how to use their trademark. So, for example... But sorry, Koketo, is it not a good thing for the brand owner to have people say go and Google instead of go and Yahoo something? Well, how to use it would be go and use Google. Use Google. Get onto Google to search, not Google it, because now you're making it kind of like a... It forms part of almost like the English language because we're using it to describe how to search. Mm. And it becomes then, it becomes difficult to actually call it a trademark because you're not distinguishing your actual goods and services mm. from somebody else's. Uh, and and there's, a, there's a principle in our law called dilution, <coughs> excuse me, mm. uh, trademark dilution. So the more you allow third parties to use your trademark, the more your rights become diluted to enforce. Mm. Um, and, and that is, you know, we, we recommend to clients to be vigilant in the protection and enforcement of their trademarks in the marketplace. So what mm. is Google, what is Hoover doing I mean, this is, is it too late for them to do anything? Uh, it, it is. Um, it yeah. is too late. I would say for that, that it is. There's just been years and years of prolific use and, mm. you know, that it has become generic. But then if they mm. weren't, if people weren't saying, I'm going to Google something, uh, they would go on to other search engines. Well, you know. So isn't that good for it, Google? Yeah. Well, it's good for Google, but, mm. but, you know, um, whatever your search engine is, whether it's a Yahoo search engine, you're mm. still going to say, Google it. Yes. Mm. You know, and so that's when it becomes dangerous. So, so Yahoo yeah. has almost uh, is almost a sub brand because people are saying Google it. Mm. Yeah. I mean, my little boy, and you've also got a little boy of eight or so. They don't know what a search is. They just know Google, and that's that's what they use. We're going to Google. Yeah. It. It's similar to Vaseline, for example, because yeah. you don't say I want to use petroleum jelly. Vaseline is petroleum jelly is Vaseline. To is many there people. another? So that's what it is. So, and no yeah, yeah, no matter who the manufacturer of no that petroleum who, yeah. jelly is, everyone yeah. refers to it as Vaseline. And Vaseline yeah. is so aggressive with their approach, and that's something that I think you can also take mm. um, note mm. of, because if you go to the shelves and you look at Vaseline or petroleum jelly products, rather, you will see that all those people who actually provide petroleum jelly hmm. actually refer to it as petroleum jelly and not Vaseline. So you kind of make sure, again, you monitor how people are actually using it and you stop them from actually adopting that trademark to make it generic. I wonder how many of our 55 million people know that Vaseline is petroleum jelly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, because that's it. They just know it's Vaseline. That's right. So yeah. yeah, you need to make it very clear. Is it a petroleum? <laughs> <laughs> you need to make it very clear that yeah. it's a trademark. Yeah. And I think just to go back on what if it's, if your product is one of the very first things to come up, like for example, Hoover and Escalator, or mm. Creepy Crawly. Another thing that people can also think about is creating the same product or almost like a um, less quality of product, and then um, using a different trademark for that one, because then people can distinguish the two. And now kind of you deter them from describing using your trademark to describe the product but to actually see that for example creepy crawly versus what's another one oogle maybe you'll call it oogle the yeah. second one <laughs> right and now people won't will shy away from using creepy crawly to describe the actual product they'll just call it creepy because crawly they're two of their kind. because they're two of a mm. kind so especially with people who have those new inventive goods or services they can kind of do that okay mm. good so interesting 
What I want to talk to you about as well is uh, Liverpool. Right. Now, Liverpool mm-hmm. are champion, our champion league, European champion league winners of 2019. They've won many games on the trot. They wanted to register the name Liverpool as a trademark. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, I mean, we, ref- we don't say Liverpool FC, we say Liverpool. Yeah, yeah. correct, correct. Well, what's um, the upshot there? What's so, well, the upshot uh, for me, and of course, there's always different opinion on the outcomes of cases yeah. around the world. <laughs> but for me, it was a very solid, correct judgment yeah. um, in that it's a geographical indication. And you'll remember what I said to you about Section 10, what is not registrable as a trademark. Those are That is one of the categories that is not registrable. So you cannot... Protect the name of a territory for yourself because that's just not permissible, and so I think the Liverpool judgment was correct on that on that score. Isn't it? Well, may, may I mention as well? There's a, a football team called Chelsea, correct, and there's one called Southampton, and they registered their trademarks, Southampton and uh, Chelsea, so they got it through. Uh, so, so they they did, but by the way, there is yeah. a disclaimer. Uh, on those trademarks. Mm. So a disclaimer for for the public, um, a trademark goes through an examination process. So once you file a trademark on the register, you, it doesn't go into an automatic registration. Mm-hmm. You file a trademark, so it's an application, and then it lies for a period uh, in which it's examined by the registrar for registrability purposes. Mm. Um, and then the registrar will come back Often time with certain requirements in order to get your trademark through to registration. And, and on, on this, on geographical indications, uh, it will come back, the registrar will come back and say, you can have Chelsea for your soccer team mm. and your soccer paraphernalia, etc. But you can never prohibit third parties from using Chelsea in the description of other goods and services. But didn't Liverpool stress that the application would be applied uh, in the context of football products yes, and, 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 and not across the yes, board. Yes, absolutely. And, yeah. and that may have been so, but it, it, the fact remains is they wanted to claim a monopoly on a geographical territory, and yeah. that is what got everybody very hot, uh, hot-headed around this judgment. Interestingly, Kaiser Chiefs have uh, their, trade, their logo trademarked as well. I think you know that, uh, but that's that's very important to them. To yes, yes, yeah. absolutely, yeah. yeah. So, so you know, you can get things through to registration, but uh, so long as you agree to certain limitations of the way that you use it. Mm. We've played in the background. I mean, I think we all know that, Jerry, and the pacemakers, you'll never walk alone. Funnily enough, I looked at this. It was released in 1963 by, the, by Jerry and the pacemakers, but it dates back to 1945, uh-huh. and it is... Uh, it's a Rogers and Hammerstein musical. Oh, right. Well, yeah. you're more informed than me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and it's also, it's been covered by people like Frank Sinatra, Elvis Presley, Johnny Cash. And then in 1963, the group actually presented it, presented it to the Liverpool manager then, Bill Shankly, who's famous. Yes. And uh, he said, you know, we want to play this. And they did. I wonder... Um, what royalties they pay for this or who gets the money it's quite a because I mean yeah, this is paid I mean, yeah, yeah the, the, that's you know and I'm sure that that lapse of time period you know the, mm. the copyright over that has expired yeah um, yeah that's something I wanted to ask you how long does your trademark 
Last. Oh, right. Yes. So trademarks are registrable for 10-year periods at a time, yeah. um, but they you can renew them. So unlike patents that uh, last for 20 years and then you, you know, you, you can renew them, but the, the, they last for 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, a trademark lasts for 10 years. And if you and don't you renew, need to it, renew it, does someone, can someone walk away with it? Uh, well, no. There again, there are a lot it's of your, implications around yeah, that. Yeah. Um, not necessarily, and especially if your trademark becomes well known. Mm. Um, it, it often happens that some proprietors um, forget about renewing their trademarks, yes. but they still use them in the marketplace. Do you attorneys remind your clients? Yes, we do. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, very vigilantly. Yeah. <laughs> very vigilantly. There's no onus on you to do so. It's just a marketing tool, isn't well, it? Well, no. I mean, we, we do have that onus. If you if you you know, if you have a trademark proprietor on your books, mm. um, you you have to remind them. Uh, sometimes clients come and go, and you then can't get hold of them if they've changed contact details or moved countries. Yeah. But as much as you can, you you try to get hold of them to remind them of that. What about if you're not using your trademark? There's a concept called use it or lose it. Is that applicable? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think okay, it's very so, yeah. important in in terms of South African law. You have to use a trademark for a continuous period of five years. Mm. Otherwise, you run the risk of it being removed or cancelled on the basis that you're not using it. Mm. And I think that's good. It's to prevent people mm. from being squatters on the trademarks register and prevent other people from using a trademark if they don't have any commercial interest in the mark anymore. What made you, Koketsu, get into this field of law, IP law? It was so weird. Um, I actually took up intellectual property law as an elective mm. in varsity in my final year. And actually, I didn't really have an intention to take IP. I wanted to take alternative dispute resolution as mm. a course. Mm. And unfortunately, it wasn't available anymore. So I just picked the course that was not too early in the mornings, but also not too late. <laughs> right. And IP became one of those. So yeah, I took it. And the first lecture, I was already hooked. I mean, it was so interesting. And our lecture at the time was just incredible in actually teaching the course. Mm-hmm. And when I started at Eversheds, I was just normally in the litigation department. I had a couple of conversations with Sarah Jane around IP and then yeah, just What's the most she exciting came to work in my department. Bug, yeah, the IP oh. bug just bites you. And you get What's it. the most exciting case you've worked on? Um, geez, there's so many. Mm. Um, I would say, I mean, it's so difficult with art. Well, they are, actually, there's one currently happening now, but we can't really talk yeah. about yeah. it. Let's so. talk about those that have been through yeah. the courts. Yes, yes. You've got to um, be careful. Yeah. yeah, but I can't actually really think of one that we yeah. can talk about. Some of them are settled that you can't really mention. Yeah, yeah without, yeah. yeah. I mean, some, some of these matters, you know, they run for years. Mm. Um, and, and, and I think that, uh, you, you become so invested in that case. And I mean, we run multiple case, cases at the same time. Yeah. And they're all interesting for us. Yeah. Um, Is there yeah. a lot of litigation? Are people fighting over their trademarks? Mm. Yes, of mm. course. And it's yeah. very important as a trademark yes. proprietor to make sure that once you have a trademark registered, don't think that you can just relax and you're protected. Mm. You have to make sure that you maintain your IP. And by that is when you see people using it, make sure that you write letters of demand and, and you mm. know, preclude them from using it. Mm. That's it, a good point. Yeah. Actually. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it, if you it let is, it slip, they say, yeah. well, you condoned it. Or well, that's away. right. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's another principle in, in trademark law called acquiescence. Yeah. And if you don't enforce your rights, mm. you are Communicating to the public that you're allowing that use. Yeah. Um, yeah. For people that haven't registered a trademark, but they've got something valuable, they they were remiss, or they didn't they didn't have the knowledge or the money 
to register it. The common law still helps them, doesn't it? Correct. Explain yes. that. What, yes. Yeah. So the common law is really you can protect your your trademark, and I'm going to call it an, an unregistered trademark. Mm. It's a common law trademark, and so long as you've been using it for a consistent period of time, mm. and you can prove to the courts that you have built up a reputation and goodwill in that trademark over time, you can enforce your rights. Okay. As if you had a registered so, yeah, mark. So, yeah, except the onus then is... The onus yeah. is just a bit more. You have to prove that reputation, of course, yeah. and you do that by, uh, you know, showing your, your turnover, your marketing spend, your legal enforcement spend. Yeah. Um, and so it's a, it's, a lot, it's a lot of effort to prove that, uh, whereas, as I said earlier, the, the registration is, is much more user-friendly. Mm. Mm. Before we close off, anything else on trademarks? We're going to get you back on copyright. We're going to get you Please back on do. all um, kinds uh, of stuff. You, yeah. you could talk to me the whole day no, on I'd trademarks. Be, <laughs> I could tell you a lot of interesting yes. things. Well, before we go, but anything else you want to mention? Um, this no, is, I th- this uh, is it. Yeah, yeah I, I think for this for this topic, um, uh, it may be useful for the public just to know that typical five categories of trademarks and what are the strongest trademarks versus the weakest. Mm. Um, and that really is fanciful trademarks. So the more unique and made up your word or your trademark is the better for you mm. because then there is no doubt that people, you know, you can pick up copying and unlawful leveraging of that trademark, yeah. uh, you know, very easily because mm. it is a made up word and it's fanciful. Yes. So, th- so that's the strongest kind of trademark. Um, then you get another category of what's considered to be arbitrary trademarks. Um, arbitrary trademarks, uh, they're, they're using a, a, ge- a generic term, but for a different, for a, an unassociated product or service. So for example, Banana Republic for clothing. Yes. It's very unique. Yeah. Um, and so, and so that's a great trademark actually. Mm. Then you get suggestive trademarks that have a hint of descriptiveness, um, and, you, you know, you can pick up what they're used for, but they've got an element of uniqueness as well. And, and a, an example is Citibank. Mm-hmm. So Citibank, you, you will immediately understand it's a financial service or it's a bank, but the city is the, is the qualifying. Yes. And then, of course, what we've spoken of this whole um, session, descriptive and generic marks. Those are what the, what the I two. really found interesting is the Lavatan shoes. I've got a red sole, and that's been trademarked. Yeah, yeah. And the Maybe we can trademark. You've got your uh, yellow, yellow toes. toes. <laughs> yeah, but you've got yellow toes today. Yeah, I've got yellow t- toes today. Yeah, <laughs> Just in honour of Cliff Central. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, but I mean, there are many colours that people are trademarking. For example, yeah. the Tiffany. You know, Tiffany the jewelry. Yeah, yeah. That blue box, that yeah. Pantone colours, actually oh, really? also a trademark. So mm. you can't just you can't start a jewelry company now and boxes, start packaging yeah. your jewelry in those. Colored boxes. Yeah. If you want to see Coquetzel's trademark toes, they're going to be on Instagram, they're going to be on Cliff Central's <laughs> all over the place. Thank you so much for this. Thank you. It's true thank that you. They thank were ta- you I saw they were taking pictures of you, uh, Coquetzel. So earlier. much fun. Yeah, I didn't yeah. think I came here to make my toes. <laughs> she didn't <laughs> think she was coming to model. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, she put her foot in it and she's here, and we want to thank you very much. SJ, Sarah Jane Pluke, PLUKE, and Coquetzel Malope. From uh, you originally from Petersburg or where did you come from? From Benoni. From Benoni. Yeah, my dad is. You from Polokwane, aren't you? Yes, yes, yes. yes. Yeah. Okay, there you go. Okay, many thanks to you and to your law firm for giving you time off. That's Evershed Sutherland in Santon. Cliffcentral.com.